Good morning on this Sunday morning, Super Bowl Sunday, as I'm recording this. This is the Grant Guru, Adrian Craiglow, back with a short episode for those of you who have reached out to me after buying my book, and thank you very much for doing so. Please leave a review. And for those of you who haven't bought my book yet, come on, it's only 20 bucks on Amazon. Just go to Amazon.com, type in my name, which is both special a little wonky, A-D-R-A-I-N-E-K-R-E-G-L-O, and you will see the deep dive into grant writing. I promise you this, if it doesn't answer every question you ever had about grant writing, I need you to tell me what it didn't tell you, and I'll refund your money. How's that? But let's get into those questions that so many of you have sent me about, well, how do I become a freelance grant writer? It's not that hard, but here's the one thing I found. If I had done it in my 20s or 30s or even 40s, the nonprofits that I reached out to to write grants for other than the nonprofit I was running just simply didn't take me seriously. They think I didn't have enough age on me. It's kind of a joke because now at 67, I have more clients than I ever have, but they want me to outsource their grant writing needs to because they think of my wisdom and my age. (laughs) That's pretty funny. I was probably more passionate in my 40s and more on top of my game in my 40s. That's why I've got a great team around me. And guess what? None of them are over the age of 45, but people want me. And so that's why I wrote the book. That's why I do these podcasts. That's why I will answer any email any of you send to me at that wonky spelling of my name, A-D-R-A-I-N-E, like a drain, Craiglo, K-R-E-G-L-O at gmail.com. I'll answer any question you send to me because there's enough money out there for any charitable nonprofit 501c3 organization. There's enough of it to go around in enough categories that you just need to sit down and do it. But getting back to freelancing. Now, what does that mean? That means that you're not working for one particular organization. They're not paying you a salary. Because if they are paying you a salary and you're only working for one nonprofit, like I did for a Meals on Wheels and an Easter Seals organization for many years, I did not have to have a license because I was a staff grant writer. And that's fine. But if you decide to stick your big toe in the water and outsource grant writing or even find your niche, your niche might be helping small or new nonprofits build their capacity to make them more attractive to funders. In other words, some of them don't even have a budget. They don't know how to build a budget, that the revenue needs to equal the expenses. They don't get it. They'll go, but we don't have any money in the bank. And I have to explain to them that budgeting is simply a roadmap, a roadmap that you and your board members can change weekly should you choose to. It's just a goal. It's like setting a vision statement on a whiteboard and manifesting it to come true. But you can find your own niche in doing something like that because believe me, the need is great. Another need that is 
very, very in demand in nonprofit is somebody to do bookkeeping for nonprofits. Not necessarily a CPA, because unless a nonprofit has a budget of over a half a million dollars, they're not going to need audited financial statements, but they do need 990EZ or 990 forms filled out and not 990N postcards. I tell my clients, even if they've only had $3 that they've run through their organization the previous year, to still fill out a 990EZ. Because that way, the funder knows where the $3 came from, probably your own pocket, and what you spent it on. Do you have $1.75 left, or did you spend $3,000, and now you're $2,875 in the hole? Don't make me do math on Sunday morning. But this is how you become a freelance grant writer. Now, I went through many, many mistakes, and it took me three or four years to get it right. Remember something very important. No state in the United States will allow you to take a grant writing position on a contingency basis. That means you can't say, hey, I'll write you this grant, and if you get it, you got to cut me 10% of it. Nope, that's illegal. The nonprofit will get in trouble, and you'll get in, not in trouble. Now, what you can do to start, and what I did in the beginning, even though I was running my own 501c3, I reached out to some of my peers in other parts of the country and said, hey, if I write you a couple of grants, and if you're successful with any of them, would you be kind enough to be a referral for me? They said, sure, why not? Well, I was successful with more than a couple of them, and that's how I got started so that I could send people client references. Um, so I would suggest you find an organization that you're passionate about, maybe one that you volunteer for. It could be faith-based. It could be a mission at a church, as long as it's a U.S.-based mission doing work in the U.S. because it's difficult, if not impossible, to find grants for international uses and volunteer to write just some small grants, Walmart grants, Wawa grants if you're in the southeast, racetrack gas station grants if you're elsewhere in the world, Aldi community care grants. They're open all year round and they're only two or three thousand dollars. But if you're able to do that for somebody and you're able to and able to actually raise money for them, then they're going to then want to hire you to outsource your grant writing and at least be a referral for you for your website. So yes, you will need a website because Anybody who's going to eventually pay you money wants to make sure that you're legit. And of course, they can check you out with the state that your license is registered in. But if you have your own website, they can also see everything about you and the services you do. What I do not do is list my clients on my website because I have confidentiality agreements with many of them. So therefore, I don't list any of them. I just say that I work with animal welfare, arts and culture, environmental, educational grants, disaster mitigation folks, veterans, seniors, folks with disabilities, health and human services. The list goes on and on, but I never name 
a particular client, not in any of my social media postings or my website. If you want to check out my website again, it's that wonky spelling of my name adriancraglow.com. If you've never heard my podcast before, you know that that spelling comes from my roots in West Virginia, and it's a name that was passed down from great-great-grandmother all the way down to me, and then I stopped the madness, and I should have had my name spelt the correct way when I was old enough to do so, but heck, I've learned with it. I've lived with it now for 67 years. I guess it'll last me a lifetime. I still get the yo. Adrian. And if you're over 50, you know what that means. If you're under 50, I'm not even going to try to explain the Rocky movie to you. So the first thing you'll need to do is find out what the licensing requirements are in the state where you are going to form an LLC. Because yes, you do need to be an LLC. It's only going to cost a couple of hundred dollars to form it. It's no big deal. It's not like you have to incorporate. But whatever that state is, I assure you they have a fundraising consultant or a professional solicitor license requirement. Now, I will tell you that I am licensed in 38 states because that's where I have clients. Who knew? But some of them I have to pay for. Others I don't. California, it's free. In Florida, I have to pay $400 a year. In West Virginia, I have to pay $25 a year. Whatever it is, keep up to date with it because if a funder finds out that you're writing grants as a professional solicitor or a fundraising consultant, um, then they like that because they know that an organization is not paying a grant writer $80,000 a year on staff. Instead, they're saving money and they're outsourcing. So that's a good thing. But they need your number. You need to give your clients a W-9 form so that they can pay you. Therefore, you need an EIN number and that's what you get when you become an LLC. Typically in the business world, people think of EIN numbers as in, they're called employee identification numbers, meaning that you've got a payroll. It might just be you yourself and you, and it was me for many, many years before I got a staff. But it's, regardless, you've got to have that number. So find out what your requirements are. Now let me tell you the typical difference between a professional solicitor and a fundraising consultant. I am a fundraising consultant because I write grants. I stay in my lane. Professional solicitors, however, can write grants, but they can also put on special events. So they are licensed to go out and knock on corporation doors and grocery stores and go visit people and ask for donations if, if the nonprofit that they're representing is hosting some kind of a fundraiser. I don't do that, so I don't need a professional solicitor license. But you can always look them up and look mine up. I encourage you to do so that so that you'll see what what your potential clients and or funders will see by going to check a charity 
Florida.org, Mind Check a Charity FL for Florida.org. And if you look up Fundraising Consultants, you'll see Serendipity Solutions, LLC, which is the name of my company. And you'll also see Adrian Craiglow. I have two different licenses. The one, the company license, covers all the grant writers that work with me independently from all over the country. And then the one under my name is for those clients that are at my highest level partnership where they just get me, myself, and I. So I'm 100% responsible for the work I do for them. So get your licensing. That's part of your ducks in a row. Get a website. It doesn't have to be fancy. Mine's not. My goodness, my daughter handles mine, and I think she updates it about every three years. Get a social media site. Now, I use Facebook because most of my clients use Facebook. I don't really, I have a personal Twitter. I have a personal Instagram. But so far for me, Facebook, as far as the company goes, that has served me well. I do these kind of podcasts and you can find these on YouTube, on Spotify and anywhere you get your podcasts and pretty soon I'm going to start doing the visual podcast because I'm going to have some guests come on as um, to share more information about grant writing just rather than from my perspective. But once you've got your license, once you've got your website, once you've got your LLC, here comes the hardest part. It's not finding the clients. Oh no, they'll come out of the woodwork. I've never paid a penny for advertising. However, you've got to figure out how to set your rates. Now, when I began, I started offering other nonprofits um, to write grants like for $500. If I knew that it was going to take me, let's say, five hours to complete, I thought, okay, $100 an hour, give me some wiggle room there. So I would charge them $500 per grant. But that didn't serve me real well. Now, that's just me. That's my personal opinion. You do you. But what I found was if I was writing a government grant, and if any of you do that, you know that not only do you have to start months ahead of time to get registered at grants.gov and get your systems administration number. I mean, that's your SAMS number. Oh, it's a nightmare. So I charge a lot more money to write grants to the government than I do family, community, and corporate foundation grants. But I had to come up with what I was comfortable with and what it turned out to be that I think is a great deal. Nobody has ever ever complained about my fees except my staff who thinks I should charge a lot more money. But I came up with this. For $3,000, I will take a new nonprofit that just got their 501c3, that doesn't have a budget, that doesn't have any 990s. They may not even have done any programs yet, let alone developed program measurement outcome tools, or have any idea of what they are going to evaluate. And I call that my capacity building partnership. And for $3,000, here's what I, I agree to. And this is what the state of Florida has me agree to. Is I say that if they pay me $3,000, and sometimes I let them make it in payments because sometimes, let's face it, somebody starts a passion project in honor or in memory of a loved one, and this is coming out of their pocket, and I hate to see that. 
So typically I'll charge $1,500 to get it started. I send in my agreement to Tallahassee to the Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services here in Florida. And if it's a Florida client, or wherever the state is, I have to send the agreement and I have to wait seven business days. And then I can start helping them build a budget, helping them with whatever it is they need to really get an idea of taking their vision and turning into a 12 word mission statement, all those important things that grant writers need to do for clients because they have no idea how to start. And I say that within 12 months of signing the agreement, I'll help them do all of those things, build their capacity to make them attractive to funders, and I'll write at least five grants to five different corporate, community, or family foundations that total a minimum of $30,000. Now, usually I write lots more than that, but I have to give them some barometer to make me stay on the right track and to know for to let them know I'm working for them. Now, as a business person, I want to raise money within six months so that let's say within six months, I've written 11 grants for them and and they still have seven pending, but the second one, third one got turned down, but the fourth one, it was funded, and it was funded for $5,000. So now I've raised more than they paid me. It's not a guaranteed rate. I want to be very specific about that. You can't, don't ever guarantee your fee for a brand new or little nonprofit that hasn't earned their keep yet. In other words, they don't have data. They don't have progress to show. But they're so happy with me that then I go back to them at six months, usually six to nine months, and I say, okay, I have fulfilled my end of the bargain. Do you want to re-up or do you want to take this and run with it? I like to teach people to fish too. Typically, though, they want to re-up with me. And if, if I've done well with them and I feel confident about my ability to write good grants for them and larger grants, then I'll let them enter my next level of partnership, which is $6,000. That is a guaranteed fee. Now, a lot of people think I'm crazy for guaranteeing my fees. And honestly, I don't know another grant writer in the country that does it. Maybe that's why I'm so busy. But... For $6,000, I say that I will write at least 10 grants to 10 different entities for you, and they'll total at least $200,000, and this is not or, this is and, I will raise you at least the six grand you paid me, and if I don't, the state of Florida gives me three years. At the end of 36 months, for some reason, and it's never happened, but in case it did, I'd have to pay back the difference between what I did raise and what the organization paid me. Now, typically at that level, the organization is well-heeled enough that they want to save 10%, which I offer on my agreements, and they'll pay me $5,400 up front. Those usually are turned over within six or nine months again, where I go back to them and say, okay, I wrote 20 grants for you. You received six of them. 11 of them are still pending. You got three declines, but I raised $48,000 for you. Want to do it again? And they'll say, yep, but we want to go to the next level. Now that's my highest level. That's my writer in residence fee. And excuse me, my phone is ringing in the background, my bad. 
but my writer in residence fee is saved and those are handpicked by me. Those are the big organizations, the ones that are national or regional and the ones who've been around for a while and have at least a million dollar budget. The reason that I have my writer in residence fee is because those are the guys that have got everything together. They diff, they've got their audited financial statements. They do everything on time. They know their program outcome tools. They know their pre-post questionnaires. I don't have to do anything except collect their documents, research and review good grant opportunities for them. And that partnership, I say, I will write at least a half a million dollars for you and that will be in at least 20 different grants over the course of 36 months. It could take me that long. It never does, but I'm protecting myself here. And again, if the end of that 36 months, for some reason, I blew it, made a mistake, and I did do that once. I took on a faith-based Bible college. They're hard to raise money for folks. But um, but I raised enough money for them, I didn't have to pay them back. But had I not, I would have had to pay back the difference between the amount I did raise in that time period and the amount they paid me. So that's what works for me. You play, it's trial and error, some grants, literally, I've written 15 grants in one day. Tomorrow, I'll be doing that for Bank of America, as a matter of fact. But other grants take more time, more narrative, more statistics, where you have to go back and forth with the client a hundred times until they like their your narrative. And when a development director changes at an organization, they change the way they, they don't like to inherit an outside grant writer, I'll tell you that. But you have to develop a relationship with them and to see how quickly you can turn things around. I have some wonderful national clients. I have some wonderful little clients, little food banks that just say, oh, Adrian, just write the grant. Tell us what you did and we'll let you know if we get the money. Because that's the important thing about being a freelancer. You are completely dependent upon that client to let you know if they got money, if they got the amount you requested, and if there's going to be a report due at the end of the grant period. Because otherwise, you have no idea. It's their intellectual property. Sometimes when I register them online, I have to warn them ahead of time, hey, look for an email. You're going to have to acknowledge that I'm trying to get into the system using your email. Then just send it back to me and let me roll with it. 70% uh, of the time, those Online portals will allow you to save and uh, return to it later to submit. And so then you can let them go in and look at it. But I try to do everything in a Word document just to make it easier for them to review and send me edits. Um, another tip I'll give you if you decide to step your toe into this freelance world is stick with your system. What do you use? If you use Excel, use Excel. I hate Excel. If you use Google Docs, God bless you. I refuse to use Google Docs. So I kind of make my clients conform to the way I do things. Otherwise, I'd be doing things for 183 different clients, 183 different ways. The only other thing I want to add is if you're thinking about doing this, 
remember that you've got to be a really good budgeter. I'm not. It took me years to be able to budget my money accordingly because remember what I said a few minutes ago that if you get a bigger client that wants to pay you up front to save 10% because they're being fiscally responsible, of course, for their nonprofit, then you've got to keep that money aside and pay yourself accordingly and just not go blow the $18,000. Can you buy a new car for $18,000? I don't think so. But if you could, you don't want to go blow it all or go to Italy. Or if you do, take me with you. Um, so know that it ebbs and flows. And when it flows, it's wonderful. And when it ebbs, it can get pretty scary, particularly if you're still trying to raise kids and you're dependent on an income every two weeks, you're going to have to figure that out on yourself. But know that the, the, there's plenty of money out there. There's plenty of money to raise. Just watch who you take on as a client. I took on some early on that I didn't do my due diligence. I'll use, I, hate, I don't mean to bash faith-based organizations because I'd say 30% of my portfolio are faith-based and I love them. But one of my first clients was a Christian school near where I live in, in uh, Florida. And I just took them on as a client because I was trying to build a client base, but I never went to visit the school. Um, and when I did, I saw a whole bunch of, of little kids in uniforms that had the same pale skin as I did. And I thought, oh, this is going to be bad. And it was. It was. It was torture to raise money for them. But you live and learn. If I had it to do all over again and was starting out at 50 as a freelancer, which is the age I was when I started as a freelance grant writer, I would have picked one category that I really was passionate about. And then I wouldn't have been all over the place. You can't be all things to all people, folks. So at least start out with what you're most passionate about. If it's HBCUs, which I happen to love to write grants for, for four colleges in Atlanta, or if it's animal welfare, which is another big passion of mine for wildlife sanctuaries, Maybe it's the environment for you. Maybe it's veterans. Maybe it's children on the autism spectrum. Stick with that to begin with and get really, really good at it. Do lots of research. Know your statistics. Know your data. Know their data and run with it. And keep me posted and let me know how it goes for you. Again, if you want my book, it's gonna it's got a chapter on freelance grant writing. And I even put copies of my approved agreements on there. Feel free to plagiarize. Goodness knows it went through 10 or 15 different attorneys before it was ever finally approved for me to use. And I don't want anybody else to have to go to those expenses. So I'll sign off for today because i got to get ready to watch the Super Bowl. Go Chiefs. Uh, but meanwhile, go to Amazon.com. It's called a deep dive into grant writing. And if you type in my name, Adrienne Craiglow, A-D-R-A-I-N-E-K-R-E-G-L-O, you will find it, order it. And if you do, please review it. I need more reviews and be nice because like I said, if you can't find everything you need to know about grant writing in it and you can email me, text me or call me, it's all my information is in there, then I'll refund your money. 
Listen, have a great rest of your day wherever you are and uh, reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, I'm signing off.